Hey guys, welcome back to Joko Yo. And I mean, I, I may be a bit repetitive when I, when I say what I'm about to say, but dude, dude, this episode, wow. I mean, I know I said that about the last one, the last one, the last one, but that only speaks to my enthusiasm of the subject. But but this one, this one, especially if you're a big fan of music, y'all, this one you're going to want to listen to. I cannot imagine what could have possibly been going on inside the head of Hinton Cole. See, Hinton Cole was an eyewitness to one of the largest events to ever happen on American soil. I mean, he was there. He not only saw this event happening with his eyes, he could hear it. He could he could even probably feel it in the ground. He probably could even smell it. Because you see, Hinton Cole lived on a place called the Cole Plantation. And the Cole Plantation adjoined was right next to the plantation of John and Amy Harper. Now, if you know much about Johnston County's history, you you may know about these names, John and Amy Harper. But in the case you don't, John and Amy Harper owned something called the Harper House, which was used as a battlefield hospital during the Battle of Bentonville. And the Battle of Bentonville was the last major engagement of the American Civil War. And... The, the battle, the fight between Union and Confederate troops happened on the Harper Plantation, but the, it also happened on the Coal Plantation. I mean, so much so that the Coal Plantation, at, when the battle was over with, was completely and absolutely destroyed. And Hinton Cole, at 13 years old, was an eyewitness to this. Absolutely amazing to me, all there by itself. But to, but to add to the significance of this event that, that Hinton Cole was uh, an eyewitness to, an ear witness to, if, <laughs> even a, a nose witness to, pardon me, I'll stop. But, 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 but this event, when you add this event as being the last major battle of the American Civil War, it happened here in Johnston County, of course, um, and add to that event... The fact that the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 put in place by Abraham Lincoln stipulated that any place that's currently in rebellion in 1863, as soon as the place in the southern states was reconquered, was was brought back into the Union, when, when a battle had taken place, and the Union Army controlled an area after taking it back from the Confederates, then every single slave in that area was free. That means that at the end of the Battle of Bentonville, every slave or person held in bondage or person held in slavery in eastern North Carolina around that area was at the by the end of the Battle of Bentonville free. 
and Hinton Cole up until the end of that battle that he eyewitnessed, that he saw and felt and smelled, he was a slave. And at the end of this battle, he was free. So I can't imagine what was going on inside his head when it was over. And, and at some point, someone said, hey, you're free. Do what you want to. You're no longer in slavery. I can't imagine what would have been going on inside the head of a person that saw, that was there and saw the battle that would, that would win him his freedom, saw it happen, and then I can't imagine. And, and you know, apparently Hinton Cole couldn't quite get it either. He, he, he was, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine because not only, not only was Hinton Cole a slave on the coal plantation, his father had been, his father had been so multi-generational and you're there to see the end of slavery that has kept every member of your family in bondage. You saw it happen and you're told the dream of generations, you're free. But but then you know the question's got to come up if you're if you're a, a, a freed man if if you're a freed woman, once that happens, as fabulous and amazing and and prayer answering as that might be, you got to start asking. Well, okay, well now what? And I'm sure that that had to go through Hinton Cole's mind. Now what? Now what do we do? Not that's bad, but now what do we do? And I guess Hinton along with his half-brother Levin and Levin's wife Harriet, well, to them the answer was farm, keep farming, because those guys, Hinton, Levin, and his wife Harriet, they remained in Four Oaks, and they moved to a nearby farmhouse, I mean the farm. But maybe, maybe the reality began to sink in, because but when, whenever Hinton got older and grew up and, and wanted to, really realized what his freedom was, <clears throat> he he married a lady named Sarah Ann Williams. Uh, she was from Newton Grove in the late 1870s. And they became sharecroppers. And they moved to Wayne County during the 1890s. Now, I don't know if you know much about the sharecropping business, but, but my grandfather was a sharecropper. My father-in-law was a sharecropper. And basically, sharecropping means that you go and find work where you can find it, which is why a lot of sharecroppers in North Carolina, uh, both in the 1800s and 1900s, moved from place to place. Not all, but a lot. And Hinton Cole is no different. But Hinton and Sarah moved to Wayne County to become sharecroppers. And again, it wasn't a whole much longer that, that whenever Hinton has his own family, Hinton at some point must have questioned, why am I keeping... This Cole last name, the name of my slave owner. I'm no more Cole than I am than I am Jehoshaphat. Why am I keeping this last name Cole? So Hinton decided he was going to drop that last name of Cole. That's not his name. That's a white man's name. So he dropped his last name of Cole. I guess to further reflect he's a free man, and instead of the word Cole, he decided to honor his father by making his father's name his last name. Hinton 
and then his father's name. Now, I'm not going to tell you what his father's name is yet, because that's going to ruin the entire podcast. I mean, I've got to keep some element of surprise going. But Hinton is going to change his name from Cole to his father's name. And so, and he and he and Sarah go on to have ten children, and those two people decide that their children were going to learn how to read and write. Hell or high water, they're going to learn to read and write. They're going to have a formal education. Something that was deprived of them, they're going to be able to read and write. Now, of those ten kids, child number seven seemed to be a little bit different than the rest of them. Child number seven, uh, they, they, the family had access to a piano. Child number seven wanted to do nothing but play the piano all the time. And anytime he got some, 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 some spare time when he wasn't doing uh, schooling, when he wasn't being educated, and when he wasn't helping on the farm, child number seven played piano as much as he could. And he apparently became quite good. And, you know, when you learn something, you never really forget it. But child number seven... The grandchild, or the, the, the child of, of Hinton Cole, the, the, this child decided that when he grew up, he wanted to have his own life too. Now, I can imagine you, and you can probably imagine as well, that there's not a whole lot of jobs for piano players in North Carolina after Reconstruction. So, I mean, but you got to eat. So, child number seven... Even though he knew how to play the piano, piano doesn't pay the bills, he moved to Rocky Mount when he became his own adult looking for work. And while he was at Rocky Mount, this child of, of Hinton, while he was at Rocky Mount, he met a lady named Barbara Betts. And while they were in Rocky Mount, they had three children, a girl and two boys. Again, still, Rocky Mount held little promise for many African Americans in the 1920s, so he like millions of other African-Americans, took part in something called the Great Migration, moving from the South to Northern cities looking for work. Hinton's child, this child number seven, who's now an adult, and his family moved to, again, like millions of other African-Americans, moved to New York City, eventually settling in the black enclave of San Juan Hill in 1922, just in time for the Jazz Age and the Harlem Renaissance. Now, the fact that it was insisted upon that their children had formal educations, just like, just like, the, just like their, their parents, meant that Hinton, who was born a slave in Bentonville and Four Oaks, North Carolina, had grandchildren who were learning to read and write in a very active neighborhood in New York City. It was a very musical neighborhood as well. The 1920s dances, the Charleston and the, and the bebop, well, they were born in the, this same San Juan Hill neighborhood where Hinton's grandchildren were growing up. Now, again, Hinton's kid, the father of these children, as mentioned earlier, was pretty good at the piano and tried to teach his own kids how to play, but it wasn't long before one of the boys was moving far past what his father could teach him and far past his father's abilities on the piano. He was immensely gifted. And so his father, knowing to take opportunities whenever you can get them, arranged for him to have formal piano lessons on top of his actual schooling. And a neighbor of theirs, Alberta Simmons, herself, she had been a gifted performer in her own right 
in New York City before having children. She took this young kid under her wing and taught him several styles of piano playing, primarily, you know, Fats Waller, but his mother helped teach him how to play some church hymns on their home piano. But everyone could see that this child, this grandfather, this, 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 this grandson of Hinton was very, very special, special enough to attend a school for gifted students. Story Vesa High. By 17, this child was gifted enough to play with a few small jazz groups, but with every performance, he got better and better and better. He was playing so much that something eventually had to give, school or piano, and as a result, the grandchild of, of, of Hinton, well, he decided he was not going to graduate high school. He did, however, get so good that he became the house pianist for a club, a nightclub called Menton's Playhouse in Harlem, meaning he earned a regular paycheck for playing the piano, something that his father never did and something that his grandfather could have never dreamed of. Now, to put that into its proper significance on top of that, Menton's Playhouse, it's not just any nightclub. It's huge. Menton's Playhouse in Harlem was founded by Henry Menton, and Henry Menton was a giant in this newish jazz movement. Hinton, Menton was big enough that he was able to hold jam sessions and regularly invite people to play with each other. So what, right? Why so what? Well, this is why so what. See, some of those artists that he invited to come have jam sessions with, they, they were assigned to record labels. And record companies regularly oversaw every performance of their talents and record contracts usually stipulated how many shows that their talents, their, their performers could perform. And when and if an artist decided to just jam with others on the fly, they could be fined thousands of dollars for a breach of contract. You can't just play when you want to play. Minton was the first black delegate to the American Federation of Music, which is the, even to this day, the largest union in the world for professional musicians. Nobody would find musicians that jammed at Minton's Playhouse as a result. Other places, sure, don't you dare. But Minton's, well, he's immune. That meant that jazz musicians at Minton's and Minton's only could jam with the best and brightest musicians without fear of consequences. As a result, people like, get this, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, Miles Davis, Fats Navarro, Dexter Gordon, Art Blakey, and Max Roach were regular players at Minton's. And the grandson of a former Johnston County slave was the house pianist. That's tremendous. He played with them all, and that's seriously, ridiculously cool enough. But of course, the story doesn't end there. See, all these guys that this grandchild of a former Johnson County slave played with regularly on stage at Minton's went on to be legends of jazz. And when they recorded their albums and needed the pianist, they called him. They knew him. John Coltrane called him regularly. 
One of his most frequent collaborators as pianist was Miles Davis, who called this pianist, this grandson of a Charleston County slave, he called him a genius. And eventually this, this, this pianist would go and do his own albums and have his own record contracts eventually. I actually own a copy of one of his records myself. It took me a while to warm up to his style, but when I got there, uh, I got there. Big fan. And apparently so did everybody else when they, when they heard him play because he, he was awarded the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1993, although po posthumously he died in 88. He won a Pulitzer Prize in 2006, was inducted into the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame in 2009, along with John Coltrane from Hamlet, North Carolina. And even now, there's an Institute of Jazz established in his name in 1986. It was called the Delonious Monk Institute for Jazz. Well, now it's named the Herbie Hancock Institute of Jazz. And it has offered a Delonious Monk college program scholarship since 1995 and organizes jazz education programs in, throughout the United States and the world. This institute is currently housed at UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, and they put on several concerts per year and also, again, have full scholarships. Delonious Monk, jazz giant, got his introduction from, to, a, to piano from his father, also named Delonious Sr., who learned to play from his own father and mother, witnesses of the Battle of Bentonville Slaves and the life and the life of Johnson County sharecropping as free people. And ladies and gentlemen, Thelonious Monk. Grandfather was named Hinton Cole, changed his name to Hinton Monk later. I know that family also produced several educators of their own that stayed here in Johnston County teaching kids well into the 60s and 70s. And there's that. So, new episode coming up soon. Really enjoyed this one. Y'all have a great day. Be good.